0: your source for all things Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks, with your hosts, Jordan Linscott, Nicola Page, Kevin Rusto, and David Barhouse. You're listening to the Stick Lake Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. It is a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Linscott, and tonight I'll be joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse, Kevin Musto, and Nick LePage. On tonight's podcast, we're going to be talking about the prospect tournament roster the Chicago put-out for the tournament going down in Traverse City. We're going to be talking about getting Svechnikov, making good impressions with people watching him, even though he missed a year. Last year, due to injury, we're going to go over Corey pronman's uh, rankings of farm systems throughout the league. Uh, of note, Chicago is at ten and Detroit's at thirteen. We're going to be talking about Pulley going over to play in the Finnish leagues. We're going to touch on Cam Ward and Ben Lovejoy officially retiring from the league. Braden Holtby mm-hmm. wants to re-sign with the Capitals. And also, while we're on goalies, we're going to be talking about the top goalies and the league list that came out. We're going to talk about the evgeny's Kuznetsov, cocaine, uh, I guess, issue that came up this week. A bit to talk about there. And just sort of, I guess, break down. And then we're going to wrap with a segment where we're basically going to be talking about who should be in the rafters for the Hawks and the Wings organizations who isn't in them currently. So we're going to go ahead and just jump right into the episode tonight. Uh, The first thing, obviously, Chicago announced their prospect tournament roster for the tournament in Traverse City. Um, Basically, for those who don't really follow it, it's a tournament where a bunch of teams get together, they bring their prospects, and they have a tournament in Traverse City. I believe it's three days, but place basically it just gives each team a place to watch their prospects play against potentially future NHLers and get an idea for where their farm system is at. In terms of Chicago, obviously, a couple of the big names, uh, Adam Boquist on D, Kirby Doc. Chad Christ is also going to be there on D. I mean, we talked about him, I believe it was two episodes being sort of make or break for him. Um, Ian Mitchell is going to be there as well. Uh, Alex Nylander, the other pickup that we've talked about recently. So just basically it's a place where teams can... Tryout prospects in their system, Nick or Kevin, you guys look over this roster. Does there anybody in this roster that you look at look like they're going to be a standout aside from the obvious guys who have been hyped up pretty much since draft day?
1: One name I'm keeping an eye on is Mackenzie Entwistle in the out of the Hamilton Bulldogs in the OHL. Uh, he he was the throw in. He was a throw in basically in the trade with Arizona that sent Vinnie uh, Hosa Marion Marianhosa's contract, and we received Marcus Kruger with him. So Entwistle, he's a power forward, and he has actually a really good shot. He has a bunch of offensive upside, and we've kind of seen that blossom this year because he wasn't really a name that we knew that well in the trade. So this year, uh, this tournament, I think it's going to be a big McKen- a guy to look out for is McKenzie Entwistle. I think he has that offensive upside that we can see in a future top-9 forward in the NHL, so I'm very intrigued to watch him play.
2: Yeah, Entwistle is definitely going to be a fun one to watch. I don't think he's... Uh going to be on the Hawks roster this year, but definitely a guy that will be in Rockford and someone that definitely has the NHL potential. So uh, definitely someone to keep an eye on with him. You of course have the big names there like Bodane, Folk Fist, uh, Kirby Dock, those players. Philip Kurashev is another that um, has a lot of NHL potential there. Someone who's a bit more under the radar that, I uh, he's kind of my dark horse candidate on the uh, Blackhawks roster here at Traverse City to watch is Tim Soderlund. He was a player that when Chicago drafted him, a lot of people were kind of calling him, you know, potential steal, a kind of hidden gem type player. His coach in Sweden, who also coached Victor Arvidson, was kind of hyping him up as the next Ar- next Arvidson. So there was a lot of, you know, <clears throat> praise for him early on. And then this past season, he had a really rough season and, you know, kind of just got forgotten about a little bit. But I still think that there's still some potential there with Soderlund, and he's going to be on the Ice Hogs roster this year. So for
0: for me, Soderlund is definitely someone that I'm going to keep my eye on. The other uh, teams that I believe show up to the camp are new york dallas st louis and i believe toronto is showing up this year. if i'm correct um so basically you get to see a lot of people play and i mean if you're in the traverse city area um the other thing of note tickets to this event aren't really that expensive so if you're in the area definitely check it out or even just making like a day trip to watch some games is fun
1: they have games going all day and this Um, is competitive this is competitive hockey too i mean it's Every team's top prospects going up at one another. These are the best or mostly the best of the best. And uh best of the I guess prospects I should say not best of the best. But it's a big deal too. I mean, this is why Alex Debrinken made the team two years ago. He had a an iffy camp with the Blackhawks and then he lit it up in the Traverse City prospect camp. So this is this is a lot of people's chances to actually make or break a roster in the NHL this year
3: yeah and most of the teams have set their rosters already i'm seeing blue jackets blues rangers and like rangers are sending uh capo so he's going to be there their second round pick second overall pick oh, yeah uh, their second overall my bad yeah
1: are you in the second round there been a lot of NHL GMs fired <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah uh vitaly kraftsov is a number another one on that rangers roster who was their 2018 first round pick and he's also very talented sixth traverse city
1: title yeah, so it's going to be a fun tournament. Rangers are, based off their roster, are probably heavy favorites right now, but uh, I'm just excited to actually see these Hawks prospects go up against legit competition, not at, against one another. Just because, I mean, we've been hyping these guys up all offseason. Now it's actually time to see what they can do against. Oh, yeah. yeah
2: now they get to prove it, and yeah. Traverse City really is the best prospect tournament that goes on around the league. Not all the teams participate, but uh, a good amount do. A good amount do, and it's it's high quality competition. These are all you know prospects. You're still missing a few guys, like you know NCAA players uh, are not eligible for the tournament, but for the most part, you are getting a lot of these teams' prospects, and they're all vying to
0: make a good impression on their team. So it's very competitive. So, mm-hmm. And the other thing is, I mean, this is in some ways a sneak peek at the future of the NHL. I mean, some of these mm-hmm. kids are very much going to make these rosters in the future for their teams and are going to turn into legitimate top line and players. I mean, some of them, I mean, Capo Caco, if he shows was, you know, the chance or the ability to be ready for the chance to play in the NHL level I means Zadina from the Red Wings. He's got his first chance to play against real top end competition. Who's got the same amount of practice he has. I think the wings organization will see if he's got what it takes to hang with other kids at his level I mean, mm-hmm. even on the Hawks side, Kirby Doc's going to get a chance to see if he can be a true top line center against the future of the NHL. So
3: mm-hmm.
0: you really get a chance to compare apples to apples with this tournament. You're not watching kids who've got, you know, a couple of years of junior experience going up against fully grown men. These are, you know, guys who they're still in that prospect level and they're competing against what are going to be their peers in the future. And I think it's really fascinating.
3: Yeah, and you have guys like you were saying that aren't going to be like, oh, they're just there and they'll be in the team in a couple of years. Like Capo Caco, a lot of these guys are probably going to be opening night players. So this is a way for them to get a feel for everything and compete against you know, other high-rising talent. I'm excited to see what the Red Wings roster is going to be when they decide to release it.
2: I also want to quickly mention, because I forgot to earlier, that I'm also very much looking forward to watching Alexi Gravel play for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's probably the top goalie prospect in the system, and I have a lot of high hopes for him.
1: Still a that's young nice. kid too, only nineteen, so he's got a. He's he's been doing really well overseas in Germany. So yeah, nineteen years old is a big turning for him to see uh, what the future of our goalies is like. It's definitely important for just about every organization that's there. I mean, you
0: get a real look at what you have in your system, and you get to compare it against what other teams have. So I mean, I'm I'm excited for Chicago. I mean, they definitely seem like they're going to be bringing a pretty competent roster to this tournament. Hopefully Detroit announces theirs in the next couple days because I'm excited to watch theirs as well. But yeah, if seriously, if you're in the area, though, or even, you know, make it a day trip if you're close enough. I mean, if you're into hockey and you get the chance, this is absolutely worth making a day trip over. It's it's a great atmosphere. We'll go ahead and move on, though. Uh, Evgeny Svechnikov has recently been picking up eyes from people who've been watching him. For those that don't know, he got injured really early last year so he missed an entire year's worth of play essentially but the fact that he's still impressing people like Ken Daniels for example who was talking about him i mean this shows that the Detroit organization hasn't given up on him and he hasn't really given up on himself yet which is also good hopefully he can bounce back from this injury and become a top 6 player for the red wings one day really a ton to talk about but i just thought it was noteworthy i mean i think a lot of people have sort of wrote him off after he had the year off
3: i think um he's gonna come back hungry he um is a very talented young player i mean he's 23 he's he's still young um but he he knows that he could lose his spot to you know we have a lot of big names Zadina, uh heroes heroes a bunch of people like that so he's gonna i think he's gonna come out hard he's going to be in the prospect tournament he's going to be in the preseason camps he knows he has to earn his spot because he missed that year and I could see him really impressing even more
2: yeah I think uh Svechnikov is probably looking at his brother and uh you know gain a little bit of extra motivation maybe wanting to uh, pick up the slack a bit because uh, Andre of course had a good season for Carolina um uh-huh. I'm just curious uh since you guys are obviously much more familiar with Evgeny Svechnikov than I am Um, where do you see him at this season? Is he starting in the AHL? Is he going to play majority of the season there? Oh,
0: I'll let you go first, David, then I'll give my take on it.
3: Okay. Uh, My take on it is he missed an entire year and that's a lot for a young player that's developing. I could see him starting in the AHL, but sporadically being called up to play in the NHL. I think he's played, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, he's played the He's played over the nine games, so technically he's, he can't be protected for the Seattle draft. So I feel like he's just going to come up a lot during uh, the season. But I think he's going to start in the AHL. Yeah, he, he definitely is over the nine-game threshold for
0: the draft's uh, protection.
3: Um, in terms of
0: what I well, – I guess my opinion on this is complicated. There's a what I want to see and what I think We'll see. I think that we will see him starting Grand Rapids, and they'll wait for injury to call him up, which I think is the wrong play. But what I would like to see is, I mean, realistically, he missed a year, so that matters. I would like to see just a brief stint of warm-up games in the AHL and then bring him onto the Wings roster on the third line. And the reason I don't want to see him on the fourth is because Detroit to to run their fourth line as a shutdown slash grind line. And that's just completely the opposite of how he as a player plays. I mean, he's very much a big... Well, potentially big-bodied scoring winger, similar to Anthony Mantha, but not as power forward-ish. So I want to see him on the third line with the center who can actually feed him pucks. I mean, mm-hmm. Troy's center depth is actually perfect for him right now because, I mean, you can put a guy like either Nielsen or Phil Flo between him mm-hmm. at the 3C, and those guys can actually feed him pucks in decently so. But that's what I hope we'll see with him.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely more of a sniper kind of player, so... You definitely want to surround him with, you know, top end playmakers and not force him into a shutdown grinder sort of role. Uh, do you fear that that is a likely scenario that the Red Wings might put him in a role that doesn't suit his style of play?
3: I mean, you have Iserman and you have Blasho who are very smart, and I don't think they would work against the player's talents. But the problem is we have so many talented players that could jump ahead of him.
0: I mean, that's, that's sort of the weird thing for Detroit right now is like our forward pool is basically locked in for another two years. So nobody's really moving. I mean, Darren Helm's not going to be done until, what is it, after this year or next year?
3: I think it's next year. I
0: mean, Abdul Kader's not going anywhere. And I mean, yeah, those guys are, you know, bottom six guys. But I mean, the fact is that realistically, those guys are played generally as like shutdown
3: type players. And and what you're saying is, yeah, they're bottom six guys, but they're bottom six guys. They're taking up roster spots.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, you can't really put any forward prospects from your system in those spots because those guys are there and they can't really be moved. I mean, Abdul they're not going to send him down to Grand Rapids, even though as much as I actually think that's what needs to happen at this point, because he's not part of this team long term. But I mean, I really- his
3: contract's really big, so I don't think a lot of teams would take him off the waivers
0: but unfortunately I do think that's what they're going to do with Sveshnikov is they're going to put him on the fourth line which I think is wrong but hopefully Blaschel and Iserman you know they have um,
3: I'm looking at a updated list that was posted today about what they're projecting and it's projecting him or Hirozi competing for a third line spot with Franz Nielsen at the center and either Rasmussen or Delarose at the other wing. Yeah, okay, I think that'd be a pretty interesting one. Because here's the projected lineup, if I may. It goes Larkin bertuzzi mantha first line Philpola double a and zadina second line and then what I just told you for the third line and fourth line Ablocator, or urn Glendenning, and then Helm okay I don't agree with their defensive pairings I feel like there's a lot of guys that we've talked about that should be ahead of these guys but they're older players and they're veteran players so of course they're going to be on the team yeah
2: I don't know I just think like you know a player like de la Rose should not be taking a roster spot
0: away from Svechnikov,
2: you know? De La I mean,
3: Rose feels more like a fourth liner to me. Like I could see him taking Helm's spot.
0: What I would think would actually make more sense is after this year, they have De La Rose be on the fourth liner. And I mean, because realistically, I don't ever see him more than a fourth liner, which is perfectly fine. But comparing him to Svechnikov, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not really a contest. Svechnikov has the higher end ceiling.
3: Yeah, and I think
0: Iserman is willing to gamble on oh. a guy who has a higher end ceiling developing.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry, Jordan, but uh, your boy uh, Sorav Villy. Uh, sorry, Harvey. Sorry, Harvey's not even on this projected defensive lineup.
0: Uh, he he's going to be an injury call this year. I'm pretty sure, but I mean, we'll see what happens with him. I don't know.
3: Ola Warkowski is on it, but Cider is not. Really? Yeah. Um. They have the Kaiser, Mike Green, Choloski, and then Hronik or Cronwall, and then Nemeth or koski and then erickson or trevor daly trevor daly just shouldn't even be there he's trash
0: nice thing is so that after the season that defensives roster is going to be completely open so there's going to be plenty of people who can take jobs
3: and we're going to have cap room to bring in someone too
0: yeah this topic sort of uh divulged a little so we will get back <laughs> on topic uh cory from the athletic key uh, released a list of the top ranked farm systems in the league of note chicago is currently on his list at 10 and then detroit is at 13 so good science for both teams i think chicago probably is ahead of detroit just because i mean they've got you know a player like kirby doc in their system who's a projected to be a very high-end center where detroit i don't think has that piece aside from joe valeno but both teams being in the top 15 is definitely a good sign um kevin or nick do you guys agree with at least chicago being a 10
1: i absolutely agree i think uh the blackhawks moved up four spots from last year they ranked 14th last year they're 10th now so um i mean they made key additions to this prospect list too I and mean, this offseason they added kubalik sorella kirby dock alexander nylander alex Vlasic, and that's with guys like dylan scarrett Dominic Coon and Henry Yokohara either being graduated from the prospect list or being traded with the later, latter two. And yeah, I think uh, it, the list is all, I, Kirby Dock and Adam Boquist, they're the top two on the list. Alex Nylander, who we acquired from Buffalo this offseason, uh, he's number three on the list. And four, Dominic Kubalik, who we acquired from the Kings last offseason. And Ian Mitchell rounds out the top five, uh, which I think Ian Mitchell's a guy that he, he's, he's going to be one of those just solid top four D men. He's not. He's not gonna be an elite NHL defensive, but he's gonna be a capital NHL demon, And I think he's he's often overlooked when it comes talking about the Hawks D-man, just because we had Boquist and Yokoharu for so long, talking about so long. But now Ian Mitchell's yeah. starting to get noticed and it's well deserved. And obviously Mitchell was a second round pick, so there
2: just wasn't the same amount of hype with him as there was with like, you know, Yokihary, who was the first round pick that year, and then the following year Boquist and Bodin.
1: Yeah, all in all, I, I think 10 is a perfect spot for the Blackhawks. It's nice to see them in the top 10 prospect list because we were in the bottom tier for so long, just with, obviously, in a win-now mode, so now it's nice to see a change with uh, a future on the horizon. Yeah, it was quite the turnaround,
2: uh, and
1: it's nice to see, obviously, when you are in that
2: win-now mode, you know you don't really care too much about the Baron uh, prospect pool because you are having so much success, um, so... You know, there's no problem with trading away the talent and the picks, but uh, yeah, they're in that more kind of retooling mode now, and it's nice to see that they've done such a great job
0: at um, restocking the cupboard. There, it's actually one thing I have to give uh, the Hawks organization credit for. Oftentimes, when teams go into quote-unquote rebuild mode, it takes a while to restock the cupboard with you know valuable assets. And, well, I mean, technically, yes, they jumped up to three to snag Kirby Dock. I can't really be too mad about that because Chicago didn't intentionally tank like a lot of teams did. They tried to stay competitive down the stretch. And, like, I really have to give the Hawks management props to making the moves that they did. I mean, this offseason, they did a fantastic job of picking up pieces for the future.
1: Yeah, not only for the future. They've also acquired this offseason season win now material, too. So the Hawks are a top ten pro- Farm system list, prospect list, whatever you want to call it, and they also have a, they also have what we look like a, a potential playoff roster. So this this team, when these prospects are all ready to be called up, like Evan Barrett's in the top ten as well, the name we often overlook is um, it, it's it, it's a future to be reckoned with. We'll go ahead and move on to the next topic.
0: So, we talked about this two episodes ago with Jesse Puliari having problems with the Edmonton Oilers organization. He's officially signed a contract over in the Finnish leagues, plane. So, he called, or he basically stuck to his guns on, you know, not being in the situation of wanting to play with the Oilers organization uh, reports coming out we talked about this a little bit before the episode that Edmonton is trying to get I believe it was a first in a prospect or an NHL ready player in exchange for him um, do I have that correct
3: it was a first round pick prospect NHL ready player yeah
0: so I mean as much as I could get that Edmonton's trying to, you know, salvage a situation. I don't understand how they think that they're gonna get a first round pick for a player who obviously don't who obviously doesn't want to play for your organization. They're dealing from a position of weakness at this point. I mean, obviously, you know, like any negotiation you ask for more than what you expect to get and you try to meet in the middle, but I think a first Plus, a prospect is just greedy at this point if that's what they're honestly trying to get. Yeah, I mean, Elliot
2: Friedman was reporting, I think just today, as of recording, that uh, Edmonton right now is in talks with both Carolina and uh, Tampa Bay. So there are teams that are interested. Uh, I highly doubt those teams are interested in that asking price, but. You know they'll be ne- they're negotiating right now, and we'll see where those talks lead to.
1: Yeah, one thing to note too on the contract that he signed overseas in Finland is that it's there's an NHL opt-out clause by de- December first. So if December first hits, and the situation not solved, then Pulleyarby's overseas for the rest of the season. So, uh, but it sounds like something's going to get done soon. So Pulleyarby will be back in the NHL, it seems. Uh, but yeah, who would have thought Pulleyarby would have been in the news more than Mitch Marner this offseason? I would never <laughs> guessed that. That's <laughs> just mind blowing.
2: Well, the thing with Marner is just, everything's been so quiet about it. Like, we just don't know where they're at in terms of negotiating that deal.
1: Yeah, Harvey heard us talking about uh, all this Marner drama this offseason. He's like, I'll raise you one. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just been drama with Harvey this offseason, with teammates complaining about him, management complaining about him, him complaining about the organization. So he drove himself or. I mean, the, the, the organization and Pugliarvi drove, drove Pugliarvi out of bed. So it looks like there's going to be a re- resolution soon.
2: What do you guys think about Jesse Pugliarvi? Because this might be a bit of an extreme take, but I don't see him having a future in the NHL.
3: I, I agree. I mean, his stats aren't anything to write home about.
1: If I'm I mean, a team, I, if I'm a te- go, sorry, sorry, go take it. Yeah, like, your thought.
3: and like his attitude has just been poor. Yeah. Since he's been in the league, and I would not want a cancer like that on my team, no matter how good he is. And spoiler, he's not that great.
1: If I'm an NHL team, I would take the chance on him just because he was he was a high draft number four overall, right? That's correct. I I believe number four. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the chance on him. If it's a buy low opportunity, like it seems like it's going to be, because Edmonton's not going to get what they want in return. I'm taking the chance (laughs) on him just because he has that high ceiling. Still, I mean, we've seen guys like (laughs) Dylan Strome that. It took him a while to develop, so you never know what Pulley you might find <sighs> if he's in the right situation.
3: Okay, Nick, so if it's a buy-low situation and they don't get what they want, what do you think they're going to get for him?
1: Uh, if, I'm, <coughs> if I'm an organization, I'd give up a second-round pick at most. Interesting. At most. I mean, maybe i go <coughs> a low-end prospect and a second-round pick, and that's it, though. I'm not giving up a first-round pick or, or NHL-ready talent i see
3: more than just a second round pick i would say a second and third or a second and a fourth
1: i mean that could seemingly end up what it's going to be because a first round (laughs) pick is just like jordan said that's just greedy
3: yeah
0: the thing about first round picks also is i mean i don't think any team is realistically going to deal their first round pick especially right now because i mean the season hasn't even started yet i mean could you imagine dealing your first round pick for this year? You are out of the playoffs, and that's a lottery pick, and you just spent it on a kid who realistically has not proved it at the NHL level. I mean,
1: yeah, it's it it's just a risk that is unnecessary to take. I mean, like, like we, we we've said throughout, he's a cancer, and we don't know how he's gonna fit with a new team that he might end up with, like Carolina or Tampa Bay, and and the East is one of those. Conference is that you, it's a wild card, and you never know what's going to happen. There's teams that constantly float in and out of the playoffs over there. And like you said, one bad year, and you gave up that first round pick, and then Edmonton could be feeding the lottery.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I mean, at the uh, draft this year, Chicago tried moving Henry Haryu for a first round pick. This was before uh, they ended up moving him for a They tried moving him at the draft for a first round pick, and no teams were willing to bite. So not even Yokihari could get a first round pick. And I think at this point, we can probably agree he is a better prospect
0: than is. RV I is. Mean, personally, I think that if a team is actually going to pick up pooley from Edmonton, I think in terms of the actual draft pick, a second is as high as you will get. I don't see any team... Being willing to part with the first round or just, I mean, I mentioned already, but Edmonton's already dealing from a position of weakness. And then he's not proven at the NHL level either. So that'd be just a ridiculous gamble for a second round or for a uh, first round pick. But I really think it'll be a third plus prospect even because, I mean, Edmonton yeah, has got I don't no even leverage. A second
1: round pick. Like, you, like you said, Jared, Edmonton has no leverage. I don't know what the, why they think they are controlling these negotiations and trade offers. It's not. It's not their negotiation and control, honestly. It's what other teams are willing to offer, and they're going to have to take the best offer. I think we pretty much covered just about everything to talk about with that topic, so we'll move on.
0: Uh, news coming out that Braden Holby wants to reassign with the Washington Capitals. So good news for them. I mean, he's been their number one goaltender for a couple of years now. He's always, you know, in the mix for good goaltenders. I mean, I don't think he's had really a bad year that I can think of in the past couple of years. And I still think he has the potential to be a number one goalie for at least a few more while they're still in their window with guys like Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom. So I think him wanting to re-sign with Washington is a great sign for the Capitals organization. Yeah, he's
2: got... uh he's got one year left at six million dollars do you think he takes a discount on the next
1: deal i would I, I, that's the, the point i was gonna make Kevin. yeah i think so I mean, you're not gonna see he deserves bob like type money but with re usually if you sign a contract extension you're not gonna get the most out of it you're gonna if you want to be back you're gonna take a discount because uh, signing like bob would that would put edmonton or not edmonton what am i talking about washington into a tough cap situation
3: We'll see what he does. I think he's going to try and get a big money deal. You think he goes to free
2: agency or he tries to negotiate big money out of Washington?
3: I think he tries to negotiate big money out of Washington. And at the end of the day, because I live in the area, I think he stays. I think he'll take a discount, but not a big discount because he knows he's like the centerpiece of their hunting. Gold t- gold I think it
2: becomes tricky because Washington is not in a good cap standing right now.
3: No,
0: he's all over their social media though i I would be shocked if he wasn't willing to at least just take like a somewhat discount to stay with the team because i mean it seems like everybody in the area loves him i mean i always see him on you know the caps facebook posts you know like they're following him around the area
3: yeah and if it's not because i live in the area if it's not an ovechkin jersey on people uh like half the time it's a holby jersey so he's he's a face of the franchise so i could see him taking a discount but at the same time i still think he tries to get paid so
1: would you think like nine million david you say you take nine, nine and a half.
3: I think he go nine, nine and a half.
1: That's a that's a contract I think that worth handing out. To a Braden Holtby, elite level talent. Yeah, I and
3: mean, he's still got a lot of good years left in him too.
0: How many years do you think that he takes if he signs nine million? Do you think he takes you know three or four? Or do you think he tries to make, make it like six? So
1: I would say six to seven. I'd say six. Wait. I
2: mean, Washington likes to sign long contracts. If you look at the their he's current t- deals that they have, like. Kuznetsov has another six years on his deal. (laughs) Oshie has another six years. Like uh, it's twenty-nine, another seven. So Washington signs like really lengthy contracts.
3: The thing with him though is he's twenty-nine, and I'm sure they're gonna draft. And develop some younger guys so i'd say like five to six i think six
0: years <laughs> at nine would be pretty fair for him it gives washington plenty of time to find another goaltender in the uh, draft to replace him with and i mean by the time that deals up i think either washington will have already found that player or they're they'll just be willing to accept the fact that their runs are over
2: yeah mm-hmm. i mean that
0: goalie they prospector- of Probably
2: putting a lot of faith into right now is Ilya Samsonov. Yep,
3: mm-hmm, good point, Samsonov.
2: You know, another
0: Russian in Washington. That not, not too surprising there. Washington seems to seems to have a thing for the Russians. I mean, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov. That's that's pretty dynamic for them.
1: No, but yeah, Samsonov's a good. Uh, he's he's a one of the top goalie prospects probably in the NHL right now. Yeah. kind of had a rough year in the AHL with the Hershey Bears, but. Yeah, they have a lot of faith in him. They're hoping he's the next goalie of the future. There, he's only twenty-one right now, so or twenty-two now, but still, that's a lot of time. Goalies usually don't crack the NHL until they're like twenty-four, twenty-five. So, hope he will during that contract extension. It'll be hope he's backup and then be the future of their goaltending tandem. While we're on the uh, the topic of goaltenders, we'll
0: talk about the uh, goalie list that was put out. So. A list came out of the top 10 goaltenders in the NHL. Um, There are a couple names on the list that you would expect, but there are quite a few that were left off. Um, The one that really confused me the most is Jordan Bennington was, I believe, either 2 or 3 on the list. I mean, he had a great Stanley Cup run, no doubt, but I don't think one year makes you a top goaltender in the league. I mean, goaltenders have flashes of hot and cold. So Yeah, I don't
1: agree with Bennington being that high. Uh, like you said, he, he didn't even play a full season. He played half a year in the NHL and got called up and had that nice run in the playoffs. But he showed signs of not... Being he, like, he, there's times in the playoffs where he struggled, he struggled in the playoffs, and you know, you, you sh- there's a he showed that he could get rattled, he wasn't as cool and calm as he always is. But yeah, uh, being I think it's th- ranked right third, third best goalie in the NHL right now, I think it's just ridiculously high. It's goalie, bitch.
3: My list says it was eighth. Oh,
1: eight. Well, still, I I don't think he's a top ten goalie just with all the goalie talent in the NHL right now.
2: I think they had him top three for Central Division. Yes, that's now. what it is. Okay, maybe that's, that's what yeah. I'm thinking
0: of. But either I mean, way, even eight is still high. Yeah,
2: he was,
3: he was, a, he was NHL rookie. He was a finalist for NHL Rookie of the Year. He had a goal allow average of one point eight nine, fourth and save percentage at point nine two seven, and five shutouts in thirty two games. He helped them earn their spot in the playoffs.
1: No, there's. I'm not denying that. It's just it's they were the standings on January
3: third when he came up.
1: It's just the li- like the, all the lists that they all the lists that they put out this offseason, like D-man forwards or centers and wingers. There's a lot of people made that list just based off their name, like what they've done. Mm-hmm. And so if the, if they were going to maintain that consistency, you would see these goalies who had good years last year and great careers they would be on the top 10 list but it seems like they went different a different route with this to me yeah. the list
3: really just feels like top 10 of 2018 2019
2: but even then like i think pecorine is not a top 10 goalie in the league anymore they have him at nine and then like john gibson they have at 10 i actually think he should be higher on the list
3: i mean Pecarine what- had 42 wins he was he's fifth among active goalies in wins and third in shutouts among active goalies so he is good but he's i think like you said is a downtail of his
0: and area. i think that's sort of the thing with this list that kind of bothered me was it seemed like a lot of recency bias was in this list mm-hmm. very much a, you know how did the last two seasons
1: pan out and that's what we're going to make this entire list off of but if that's the case and uh wait sorry i lost my train of thought but yeah i, I agree <laughs> the recency but The recency, I don't know. I was just about to... But yeah, the recency bias is definitely full effect. But if if we're going to talk recency bias, then how did Robin Leonard get off the top 10 goalie list? He was a best number Yeah,
2: that's a strange
3: one. Uh, And then even
2: among Central Division, they didn't even have him top five. How is
3: John Gibson even on the list?
2: I think John Gibson's a really good goalie. Uh, I would actually put him higher on the list, honestly.
1: He's just on a terrible team.
2: He's on a terrible team, and that's the problem. Like, there's no support for him on that Anaheim roster, but... John Gibson Trent. is definitely
1: a really top goalie in the league. Yeah, so I mean, just if we're going off just last year, then Leonard deserves to be a top ten goalie. You know, he was a he was the top three in Vezina finals, so I don't know why he's not top ten goalie in the NHL. But yeah, I mean, it's just uh, you know another rant about the list being me being biased about my player my team's players. But yeah, so kind of frustrating, confusing, but mm-hmm. uh, it's like an old man yells at cloud situation going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> We can move on to
0: one of the more serious topics for uh, this podcast that we've done. So this happened, uh, what was it, Sunday this came out?
1: Uh, It came out before, but the video just surfaced, I believe.
0: It came out literally like Ernie did, the day after we recorded. Okay. So for those that haven't really been keeping up with it, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov ended up testing positive for cocaine, I believe it was. And before we talk about this, I just... want to say if you or somebody you know has a problem drugs or alcohol get some help now i'm not saying kuznetsov has a problem but i think it is something some people often overlook i mean these guys are making millions of dollars and stuff like this is readily available to people who have money but anyway we'll talk about this a little bit um for those that don't know, he tested positive for cocaine. And basically what that means is, is that he's not going to be competing with any of the IIHF events for the next four years. And arguably even more important is that he's not going to get a chance to play at the Olympics. And I believe it's 2022. So it's going to be essentially a chance that he's going to miss out on to win Olympic gold if the NHL decides that players can go back. Um, mm mm-hmm. Obviously this was pretty big news when it broke Uh, the Capitals. I believe they put out a statement. I can't remember exactly what they said. Um, It's not a league rule though, because I believe the technical ruling is that it's not a performance enhancing drug. So it doesn't disqualify him from playing the NHL, but nonetheless it is a pretty serious deal that doesn't get brought up often. Um, Does anybody have any initial thoughts on this topic
3: i mean like you're saying um it's not easily affordable to a lot of people cocaine is like the rich people party drug um and i think his punishment isn't severe i think it's just right I'm wondering now. This might be an easily answered question. Is the NHL not doing anything about it? I would have
0: to look into that. But from what I read, it didn't seem like there was going to be any sort of like suspension or anything like that. Because I know I'm pretty sure guys have tested positive in the past.
2: Yeah, this doesn't break any NHL rules that I know of. Um, he Kuznetsov definitely is not the first NHL player to oh. uh, <laughs> to uh, uh, do cocaine there's definitely been tons of them in the past so and it's never but, been an issue before Recipes,
1: prop <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah uh, yeah it's I mean I, I know it's a heavy subject but I mean like you said Kevin there's a lot of players in the NHL that, 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 that throughout the history of it that have had cocaine issues I mean in a league that has that just does a ton of smelling salts it's not that surprising but it's yeah. also it, it, but see but on a serious note um, it's frustrating to see one of the elite-level player, star players in the NHL to going through an issue, obviously. Uh, I think the NHL does put him in a substance abuse program, though. I'm, I think that's correct. Yeah, they do, because I remember it came out in the press
0: uh, release that he was going to be going through a substance abuse program. Yeah, which I believe that's it's the important. NHLPA puts him through it.
1: That's important to note. Um, yeah, but just seeing like a top player like Kuznetsov, getting through this you know, or seeing that video it's kind of disturbing he was i think he's seen him on the phone he was facetiming someone or something but yeah uh-huh. hopefully he gets the help he needs uh he's a great nhl player i love watching him on the ice and yeah hopefully uh this is just a low point in his career and doesn't backtrack yeah a bit, a bit serious but i don't know
0: i just thought it was worth mentioning something that doesn't really get brought up very often in the sports world is i mean outside the sport you know these guys are are just like normal people they have had their inner demons that they might have to battle with um we can move on though uh, the final thing that we're going to be talking about tonight is the rafters um i'm pretty sure every team now in the nhl has retired a jersey at some point aside from vegas because they're so new
3: they can they can retire thomas tatar <laughs>
0: they could retire <laughs> thomas <laughs> tatar but oh, there are no. a lot of players from both The Blackhawks and the Red Wings organizations who have been absolutely great players but have never had their number raised in the rafters before. So I want to talk about just players who we each think deserves a spot in the rafters and I guess sort of make your case why. Um, David, this was actually your idea, so we'll let you go first.
3: Thank you. Um, I mean, I said it in the pre-show, but my favorite player of all time as a Red Wing, as a kid, uh, Sergei Fedorov. I saved up allowance money to buy a jersey in an adult size so I knew I could wear it forever and ever. Um, <laughs> I still do wear it. Uh, but I think Sergei Fedorov was this like, amazing young spark on our already really good team. Um, the story of him coming over like secretly after we drafted him, um, leaving the Russian team to come here. Uh, He was just this amazing player for our team. He was, you know, trophy winner, a heart trophy. I think he won the Rocket Richard Trophy too, if I remember correctly. Um, He was just phenomenal. And yes, he did leave in a really upsetting way that I think left a bad taste in people's mouths. But I think, you know, amends have been made and bridges have been rebuilt. He played in the alumni game against Toronto, still looked pretty good. Um, I think he is a player that is more than deserving of having number 91 hung up in the rafters at uh the lca
0: i think that's a pretty fair argument also you know he was one of the you know the first russians to really be part of that
3: dynasty that was the red Wings. so mm-hmm. and then we just said you know what bring in more russians <laughs> the russian five start to form yeah i just remember that one game with the russian five where they literally passed the puck back and forth back and forth and not even letting uh forget who it was against even touched the puck and then they scored it was just unfair but Sergei fedorov yeah he started the movement for russian players to come over to the nhl really and he like he was the face of our team when it, like he was in commercials advertisements everything and the fact that he's not up in the rafters is just ridiculous.
0: let you uh, go next. Who do you think should be in the rafters for Chicago? Sorry, you said me to go next?
2: Okay. Uh, well, mine is Marion Hossa. He mm-hmm. technically cannot be retired yet because uh, he's still on contract, even though he's on LTIR and technically a part of uh, the uh, Coyotes organization right now. I think this is the last year on his deal. Mm-hmm. So after this year... Um, I think they'll be able to retire his number after that if they so choose to, but to me they have to because Marion Hossa is just so important to the Blackhawks organization, such a key part of winning the three cups, a key part of being a mentor figure for guys like Jonathan Taves patrick kane and just as a player marion hosa one of the greatest two-way wingers to ever play the game uh i just admire him a lot he's always been one of my favorite players uh so for me marion hosa i want to see 81 number 81 up in the rafters
3: i can see that i loved hosa like I just love that he played on three back to back to back Stanley Cup teams, and then finally won third times the charm. Um, he was a very talented player for every team he played for, and I think he did really well with you guys and helped you guys get that Stanley Cup.
1: Definitely the best. He's he's going to go down as the best signing in Chicago sports history. Uh, that was groundbreaking news that it was a twelve year deal that he signed. But wait,
3: uh, yeah, best signing over Dennis Rodman.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't watch basketball. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, but. <laughs> Marin Hose is without a doubt the best signing in Chicago sports history. There's been a lot of good signings in Chicago sports history. Marin Hose is by far and away the number one spot. Wow. I mean, he's he's helped. I mean, without Marin Hose, like Kevin said, there isn't three Stanley Cups. There's not. Nope. If we want, I mean, if we, I'll quickly say basketball without Rodman the Bulls are still winning championships with Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen <laughs>
3: you also got John Lester for the Cubs too
1: yeah John Lester's up there he's probably too but I mean I'll stick to hockey I could go on and on about Chicago sports so <laughs>
3: yeah I love Chicago sports too that was my second home as a kid except for the White Sox I hate the White Sox
1: well yeah we I think everybody hates them <laughs> so what about you nick
0: who do you think should be up in the Raptors for chicago
1: uh mine's a current player in the nhl he is also on the arizona coyotes nicholas jomerson i want to see number four in the Raptors one day uh, i think he was a pivotal part of that decor that's won three Stanley cups i honestly think if you were any player that was among that three that dynasty that we had should be in the Raptors so along with patrick sharp but nicholas is one of those guys always one of the top defensive defense in the nhl is his stats won't show it, but the block shots he's put out, the minutes he's on the ice, and just the plus minus in his career—he's. Nicholas Johnson wasn't a part of that organization. I mean, maybe there's still three college but He was a pivotal part of that decor that was just so shut down and dynamic, and just a pain in the ass to play against. I think Johnson number four should be in the Raptors. Yeah, Johnson's an
2: interesting one. He's definitely more of like a an unsung hero during uh, that uh, cup run period just because he's obviously not uh, a flashy player, but so important to have someone like that on your team who is just so great at being a shutdown defender who can PK, you know, kind of like Marcus Kruger during that period of time was also a player like that who could just eat up heavy minutes just kind of take base offs and, um, you know, be a penalty killer. I don't know if I don't know if I really see them retiring John Merson's number, but uh, it would be interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Johnverson's just always been one of those guys that you, you need a shutdown D-man, and Jomerson was always yes. that guy. Yeah, I mean, he, sure, his offensive numbers won't show a Hall of Fame career, but, I mean, I think just, I don't know. It's just one of those guys that he needs to be in the just based off the production he's done and what he brought to those or, that organization.
2: Yeah, I mean, you even mentioned Patrick Sharp is a guy that, you know, probably doesn't get his... Uh, his number retired but you could even make a case for him too i mean sharp was also very important to uh the blackhawks organization
1: he was the start of that core i mean they traded yeah. him back in what was it oh five oh five i think they traded a third round yeah, pick to the flyers yeah. third round pick with the flyers and that's where it all began mm-hmm. one of the best goal scorers in the hawks history so yeah. uh yeah so four and ten hopefully we see them in there along with uh yeah anyone a part of that dynamic dynasty so yeah, hopefully we see them in the Raptors one day.
3: Great choices. I have a question. Um, Sorry, before Jordan goes, because it just popped into my head. Could you guys see, since it's Chicago, it's Detroit, could you guys see Chris Chelios being retired for both teams?
0: Oh, my goodness.
3: Yeah, Chelios is an interesting one, because it's like, He did ooh, great things for both which, teams.
2: I know, which team retires Chelios?
3: That's thing. <laughs> can they can't they just both do it it's just just let us have it
2: i think chicago might do it as a joint um because chelios is number seven for the blackhawks yeah and Brett seabrook is also number seven for the blackhawks so i think when they retire seabrook's number they might do it as like a joint thing for seabrook and chelios
1: kind of like pierre palat and <sighs> Uh, they had two number three retired, Pierre Pilat and Keith Magnuson. So yeah. I, de- I, de- I could see them doing that just because once seven's retired, you might as well put the other uh, franchise D-man at number seven, two in there. So yeah, Chalios and Seabrook, I think they're going to be retired together. Maybe not I together, see- but they'll both be up there. Yeah,
3: I could see the Wings doing it too. He was 24 for us.
0: That's actually an interesting question. If a team does retire a player's number, can the player's number be retired from both teams but different numbers? Because I mean... He was 7 for Chicago. He's 24 for Detroit. So, if he let's say he got raced for both teams, he'll have two banners in two different arenas, but they'll be different numbers.
1: Yeah, and they could they could do that no problem.
3: Yeah, cuz Ray Burke was it for Boston and Colorado. Okay. I, don't know. I actually
0: think that'd be kind of cool for uh, Detroit and Chicago to do like a dual retirement, do it at like a Hawk swings game or something.
3: Yeah, there's a list of a few guys. Um Scott Niedermeyer, Red Kelly, Tim Horton, Patrick Waugh, Mark Messier, Ray Burke, Wayne Gretzky, Gordy and Bobby Hull. Now, when so, the
1: now, when the Hawks retire Ronick's number twenty seven, they won't be retiring Johnny Dewey just because he wore it. Just, just, just want to clarify for everybody. <laughs> yeah, Ron- up Ronick
2: up is another one that could yeah. be interesting.
1: He, he'll be up there eventually. He's part of that Hawk He's part of that franchise still to this day. So yeah, he he'll be up there. It's just. All in due time.
3: All right, Jordan, you're the last. Sorry, we made
1: you wait. <laughs> you're good. So, uh, my
0: pick for the player that should be up in Detroit's rafters is Pavel Datsuk, and I know some people have animosity because sort of like Federer off the way that he left, but, I mean, look look at that kid's development. I mean, he got completely skipped over in his draft year by every single team. He doesn't get picked until the sixth round, and he becomes, what was he a three-time Selkie winner. He became arguably one of the best stick-handling players ever to play the game. He was basically just a human highlight reel who could play defense and offense, and he just... I don't know, just such a dynamic player who got completely overlooked by every single team in the league.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree. Dotsuk was actually number two on my list. Um, I didn't realize there was animosity for him leaving. I, When he said that he was leaving, I was like, I'm okay with this. You're tired, you're older, you want to go home. Why not? I didn't realize that people are angry about that.
0: I mean, like some fans. I don't think management really has as big of a stupid, problem because it was fans. only one year, but... Yeah, I remember on Reddit when he announced that he was going to be going elsewhere, that a lot of people were kind of mad. They were like, "Well, he signed a three-year deal. Why isn't he, or, he should have to honor that deal?" But
3: no, I think like he's its like the stupid fans that are booing Andrew Luck when he decided yeah. to retire. Let the man go. Let him. His life is more than just a game. And that's
1: what. That's what's frustrating. Like to that point, like you said both Jordan and uh, David Uh, like the fans think that these players owe us something this is their like this is their career let them play for as long as they want to play and then when they decide to hang up their cleats skates whatever it is let them be done let them go out on their terms like don't let an injury ruin your career. Just go out whenever you want to go out. And, I mean, yeah. you worked you worked your ass off to get there. Play how long you want to play and then be done with it.
3: I, I want to see some of these fans lace up some skates and try and take his spot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really though,
1: I like I think Datsuk
0: is probably my number 1 guy to get retired. I mean, you have to. Yeah. Like there's there's a reason that his nickname was the Magic Man. I mean, uh-huh. The ridiculous shootout goals. What was it? The uh, I'm trying to remember who he was playing against. He was playing against some team where he beat a four-on-one and scored a goal. Like just he he was electrifying. Like I guess the best way to explain or to describe him was he was Fedorov and Athanasieu mixed into one player.
3: He was Houdini on on ice.
0: (laughs) But just I really enjoyed watching him play, and I thought he was absolutely key for Detroit's success throughout the years. And the mm-hmm. fact that he got overlooked, I think, just makes him that much more memorable because nobody really expected much out of him. I mean, he got picked in the sixth round.
3: Yeah. Jordan, do you remember when he uh, made the two shark players run into each other?
0: Yeah, see, who was it? Uh, like, one was sitting there defending him. The other one was chasing him. Yeah, and he I just choked does in my water. Between...
3: I was drinking a glass of water. I started <laughs> choking. I was laughing so hard.
0: Yeah, the one just checks into the other one from up front. <sighs> I remember that one quite a bit.
3: Yeah, I mean, certain
2: Deke moves are now described as Datsukian. Like, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's, a, he's a, a game changer, really. I mean, you have to honor a player like that.
3: And, like, he made an impact on the entire league. Like, people saw him like that, like you were saying. It's like, when Nick Lister retired, you had, like, Black. I forget which Blackhawk player it was, but he was like, thank God Lister retiring. Now I not have to deal <laughs> yeah. with that <him> anymore. <laughs> Like, I'm sure a lot of players were happy when Dasuk left because they're like, we don't have to deal with him making us look bad again.
0: Yep. Who was it? I think it was one of the Stars goalies in uh, the shootout where he did that really awesome bait with the stick or he just swung him along. Yes. Or like he just pulled out the stick and made him flop onto his side.
3: Oh, I would have just retired if I was the goalie after that. <laughs>
0: It was that one? And there was the uh, the really slow one where he bounced it off the goaltender and like slow mo behind him. That was the other really memorable one.
3: Was it the one against the Blackhawks where he chipped it over the goalie? Sorry,
0: <laughs> I don't remember if that was who they were playing, but it was memorable goal. That's all I remember.
3: Ship shot.
0: Anyway,
2: yeah, it was think. the
3: Blackhawks. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was against we're- Niemi.
0: Well, that explains it. <laughs> But either way, I think that he really deserves to be retired. He was absolutely a stud, and not only that, I mean, nobody saw him coming, which made it even better for me. Yeah. But I think we can all agree, though, the team that really needs to start retiring jerseys is the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, they have, who is it now? Pavel Datsyuk, Marion Hossa. Uh,
2: so many legends.
3: Yeah, so feel many like legends. I should retire Shane down. Yeah, they have to
2: retire Shane Doan. I hate that asshole, but yes, they I have mean, to. I <laughs> hate
3: that piece of garbage yeah.
2: too. I don't like him either, but I mean, he's also uh, like the only uh, player a- who, you know, has stuck around and really been that face of the franchise for him.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that Shane Doan will be retired. Come time will tell, but yeah, Shane Doan. what when you think Arizona counter. Phoenix Coyote or whatever you want to think of the Coyotes, it's Shane Doan. Shane Doan's the first person to come to mind. I haven't looked online. How much do you guys think it would cost to get a Pavel Datsukamarian
0: host that Arizona Coyotes jersey? <laughs> oh, <laughs>
3: uh, Wouldn't that be like if they can make a jersey that wasn't ugly as if they could make a jersey that wasn't ugly as shit? Yeah. Oh, like, like the uh, yeah,
1: it, like their alternate jerseys those are ugly. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. That'd be a cool jersey to have. I mean, that'd be, it'd be hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, Mary... <laughs> being an Arizona Coyotes legends, that Datsuk, Mary Hossa, no Stanley Cups. <laughs> Hard belief.
3: Can't believe it.
1: A team that never was.
3: I think this one's the one you were thinking of, Jordan.
0: Yes, this is it. The Nashville one.
3: It was Nashville, not Dallas.
0: I remember it was at one of the, uh, the Southern teams. But yeah, that that was the goal I was talking about. But anyway, we can wrap tonight's episode up. So, uh-huh. so we've been going on for a minute. Um, If nobody has anything else to talk about on tonight's podcast, um, I'd like to just wrap it up by saying thank you to everyone who's tuned in and has listened to the podcast so far. We appreciate you guys listening. If you would like, feel free to give us a follow on SoundCloud. We're going to assume, as of right now, that's where you found the podcast out. But fingers crossed, we will be on iTunes within the next week or so. So feel free to look us up if you enjoyed the podcast and give us a five star rating if you enjoyed it. Uh, Ratings on iTunes really help out in terms of getting a podcast out there. If you want to contact us, you can contact the podcast on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at stickbladepod, and if you want to send us like an email, you can email the podcast at stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. So there are plenty of avenues to get in contact with us and follow the podcast. And with that being said, I'd just like to thank you all for listening. Have a great evening. This has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast.